Parented. I'm Michelle Gams, and today we're going to talk about those sweet human beings, teenagers. So, some tales from the road in with my experiences with teenagers, and it has been, let me say, a very humbling experience to have uh, navigated that path with two of them, a boy and a girl. And uh, I just want to share some, maybe some words of wisdom or some of my own kind of uh, hot mess situations that, that occurred and just hope that it may help some of you out there. Okay. So <clears throat> first of all, they are, um, it's a challenge, it's a challenging period. Okay. Let's just talk developmentally. Developmentally, it's a challenging period that they are um, going through all kinds of change, physically, emotionally, hormonally, all of that is happening, and they are impaired, okay? Let's just be honest. They are impaired, and if you view them as impaired, as the parent, it's really going to help everyone, okay? I don't mean say that to them, you're impaired, and certainly, you know, I mean, don't label them impaired. It's just, I'm saying it's something, it's a useful, helpful tool for you to have in your own mind as a lens to look through, you know, this beautiful gaze at this child of yours. If you just gaze upon them as impaired, I'm telling you, it will soften, soften your interactions with them because the truth is they are impaired. They truly are impaired. And they're doing the best they can with limited resources. They are not fully cooked. Okay, a, we have learned so much more about brain development. And a boy's brain is not fully cooked, developed until age 25. And a girl is not fully developed until age 21. So the truth is they aren't dealing with a full deck. They don't have all of their capacities yet. So truly they are impaired. So it's just, just view them as such. I'm telling you, it's going to help you because, you know, as they progress to three, four, five, 10, 11, it's a nice uphill incline that you're seeing of maturity. It's up, 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 up. And it's, it's always going in that direction. You know, you're going up, 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 pretty much. And then they hit <laughs> 13, 12, 13, maybe you see it sooner. Um, uh, pardon the the lawnmowers out there. It's just part of real life. It's happening out, out outside. So they hit thir you know around 13, 12, 13, and they become kind of alien like. It's 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 just this like somebody has taken your child and replaced them with an alien. It's it's sort of this backhill slide back down that incline that they've been climbing so steadily and it was so one way up and now it's not it's kind of gone down like a 13 year old and then they they behave like they're nine and then okay now you're back to 13 like who is here right now and it's head spinning it's also heartbreaking it is heartbreaking for parents sometimes because it's where did my child go like where are they and are they coming back and I was always assured you know by the reading and by experts and just other parents, you know, truly 
from the road, you know, parents, other parents telling me their own tales from the road, that they're going to come back, Michelle. They will return. You know, they will emerge from this. Think of it like a dark tunnel that they're going through, and they're going to come out the other side. And I'm telling you, it's an act of faith or trust that this is going to happen, and you just trust that that this is it's true and that your child is going to reemerge and that everything that you have inputted into this beautiful being prior to age 13 is still there. And I can tell you confidently, it's still there. All the work that you've done, even though by visible accounts looks like it's absent or gone or extinguished or erased, it's not. It's still there. It's just beneath the surface now, deep, deep down. And you may see glimpses of it. You may see windows where, oh, there they are. There they are again. And, and that can give you hope that they will return. You know, that around 18, you know, once, once my son became a senior, he became more human again. And prior to that, though, they have this, this almost, it's like a globe around their head that extends about six inches beyond their head in all directions. And that's about how far they can see sometimes of beyond themselves, that everything is about them and there's very little understanding or consideration. Of course I'm generalizing, okay? Because you may say my, my child's not like that and way to go. Like, great, that's good. This, I'm just, this, is, this is generally teenagers. And, and I certainly had a lot of this experience myself, um, that they're, they're, they don't really have much consideration beyond themselves, and they're completely self-absorbed and into their lives. And we as parents get demoted because we used to, they used to really want to spend time with us, and they used to really enjoy us and, and being with us. You know, I mean, you couldn't even go to the bathroom by yourself, right? Well, now, teenagers, they, we got demoted. We are not important. In fact, we're kind of stupid, and um, we don't know anything. And um, they have the answers, and they know what's up. And um, it's our job to just kind of make space for that, take a back seat, um, save your marriage if you're able to connect with your partner and help each other. Um, because you, you have to stick through this together and emerge on the other side. If you have a partner, like don't let this teenager tear that apart. Like save yourselves, stick together because this is hard. It is humbling. I was on my knees parenting teenagers and I was the first to admit that teaching these classes that I teach about two parents. And I would, and during these teenage years, I would say I'm on my knees flat out. I can help you prior to age 12. I gotcha. I can help you with so much. After 12, it's a crapshoot. It's just, it's a free-for-all, and it's it's unpredictable, and just hold on to your hats, and just hang on for dear life, because it's a ride, and they will emerge. And I can tell you confidently that both of my kids emerged, and they emerged from on the other side calmer, wiser, more considerate, and I somehow got smarter. I became, <laughs> I wasn't so stupid and actually kind of my, my perspective or my advice wasn't actually so dumb. So 
know that they're going to come back and um, take care of yourselves in the meantime. View these children as impaired because they are. I can tell you that I did not like my son very much as a teenager. You will love them, but you might not always like them. And it was shocking and kind of, it's hard to admit, but I did admit it. Like I really, not to his face, of course I would never say that to his face, but I admitted it to the people that I trusted that are in my close circle. I would say, I just don't like him. And this is definitely not the son I raised. The one that's showing up is not, is not the kid I raised. And so it's kind of this humbling, humiliating kind of experience like, oh, you know, and, and you just have to let it happen and get through it because they can't help it. They cannot help it. <laughs> and, you know, there's that need of experimentation and exploration, normal human need. Well, as teenagers, that experimentation, exploration need gets quite dangerous. And it's kind of, it's harrowing as a parent to know that that's going on and that the, the consequences of their choices as teenagers to meet that need can be permanent. You know, whether it's their own safety or their friend's safety or their own health or, you know, their own bodies or their decisions about their future, all of these things can be impacted by these choices that these teenagers are making with these impaired brains. Charlie did something really stupid once and I said to him, Charlie, what were you thinking? And he said, mom, I wasn't. And that was honest. He didn't know what he was doing either. They have these impulsive brains. And so they're doing the best they can sometimes, even though they're fronting with you and pretending like they've got all the answers and they know what's up, just see through that. It's a front and they, they're just saving their own ego and their, their whole social being and their social lives that, you know, they have to sort of buck themselves up and get through it. Um, but they don't know what they're doing and they do need us and they need you there when they want to re reach out to you, they need you available. So that's the kind of, not hovering, but I just say it's making yourself available. Make yourself available late at night when they come home. If you can just, I mean, truly, you can even go to bed, set your alarm for their curfew and get yourself up to be sort of milling around the kitchen, hanging out, you were up, you couldn't sleep, whatever because that's when they'll talk. They will disclose, they will share. And, and, and you don't want that the next morning for it to be an emotional hangover for them because they're vulnerable later at night, they're more willing to talk, and you wanna be available for those moments if you can. If you can make yourself available as often as you can to your teenagers so that they can avail you when they need it. And of course, it's a lot of times they don't, and you're like, okay, okay, I just I'm up, go to bed, and there was no there was no meaningful exchange, okay. But you made yourself available, and remember, remember this, parents. If we're all gonna live to be a hundred, okay, if that's true, and we're all gonna live to be a hundred, eighteen years under your roof is not that long. So 
know that this is temporary and do the best that you can. Give it all that you've got because you only have them under your roof for 18 years. So I know it's exhausting and I know teenagers are exhausting and they're on completely different biorhythms than we are. They don't want to go to sleep and we're, we can hardly stay awake. And I'm with you. I, I, I feel your pain. I've been in it, walked in this. And as often as you can, make yourself available. You're opening up opportunities for connection with your teen, and they may avail themselves of it. So it's up to us to kind of be available. If we're never available, if we're never around, because we sort of take it personally that, you know, they don't want to be with us and they don't like us, and you become the wallet and the ride. Okay, there it is. Yes, you are thanklessly the wallet and the ride in our demotion. Isn't that something to celebrate? You get to drive them and you get to provide the funds and that we're supposed to be grateful and excited and happy to love our children through that. <sighs> it's hard and it helps to just have levity and humor with that. Yep, I'm the wallet and the ride. And they can kind of laugh about that too, like get, because it's it sort of dumbs it down, but it's the truth. You become the wallet and the ride. And so it's it's if you you want to still be around though, even though they push you away, because they do want you around, they do want your opinion sometimes, and you have to be around to do that. So be the ride as often as you can. And you know, I'm not saying the wallet is, you know limitless because it isn't you have you have limited resources of course but um that's what you become and it's okay it's normal and you're going to you're going to come through this i let me speak for myself i was holding my breath and yes i'm a parenting coach and yes i am a therapist and yes i have a lot of ideas and it's still humbling and i'm holding my breath trying to get through this <laughs> it's, I told my son, I said, Charlie, I know that there's a whole lot of opportunities out there to experiment with these things and drugs. Yep. All kinds of, there's all kinds of opportunities. And he would sort of share some of that with me too, what the truth is about what's out there and his own journey with that. And, um, and I said to him, you know, uh, if you want to wait till you're 25, I will buy you the drugs to experiment with. And that may sound kind of far out, but I said, I want you to have a fully developed brain and to have as many brain cells as you can without trying to kill any off while it's still growing and developing because you, I understand the need to experiment and explore. And of course that's normal. And you would want to try things out like every teenager does. And if you can wait till you have all your capacities, then you're going to have a different brain to do it. And by the way, then when he's 25, he's not going to care as much about experimenting with drugs. Yep. So anyway, um, but information is empowering. And so share that with them about their brains. And that's what I said. I said the same thing about, well, I didn't offer to pay for the tattoos, but I said, neither of you have fully developed brains to make permanent decisions with your bodies. So if you're considering making permanent decisions with your body around body art, um, know that 
you can make those decisions when you have a permanently developed brain. Grace, for you, that's 21. Charlie, for you, that's age 25. And make those decisions then about what you permanently want on your body. Give yourself a chance to have a fully developed brain first. So, and they, they really, they, they both kind of appreciated that. That, oh, okay, and it makes sense to them. <laughs> and then there's just this funny other, other moment that I have um, to share. Story about that, making this whole holding your breath thing um, until they get through these teen years. And so another, you know, sort of a tale from the road here. Actually, two, two stories about this. <laughs> and welcome to the lawnmower. Um, so, let's see. Okay, one of them is uh, Charlie. So, prior to, Charlie's about to turn 18, okay? And he had three weeks to go before his birthday. And I said to him, you know, Charlie, um, in three weeks, uh, the world is going to view you differently. You change legally in the, in, in, the, in the world when you're 18. You have different rights and you have different protections that, that occur. I said, so, you know, when, when Grace went to college, for instance, she was shocked that her mom wasn't allowed to see her grades or her mom wasn't allowed to um, get any of the information about her health or you know, anything without her permission. It's like, well, of course I don't want to know. Well, I don't have that permission unless she gives it to me because they're protected after 18. There's HIPAA laws. And so I said to Charlie, I said, you know, when you turn 18 that you are viewed by society as an adult. And he kind of smiled at me like, uh, you and I both know, Mom. You know, I go, yeah, I know. You look like one, you know, at six foot and whatever. But you we all know nothing really changes, but in society's eyes, you will change. And I said, I can no longer protect you. Like there's no more, you're not a juvenile anymore. You're an adult. You will be able to vote. And, um, and you know, and he kind of smiled and he looked at me and he said, so basically mom, what you're saying is do whatever I want for the next three weeks. And I said, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of. That's what I'm that's kind of what I'm saying, because it changes after that. You you're not you're no longer going to juvie if something happens at that point. And he 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 was humored by that too, and appreciated the perspective. And something changed for me the day the morning after he was 18. It really did. I felt at 4:30 in the morning. I woke up and I began to write about it. I wrote some things because. I felt this weight lift off my shoulders that um, I know Charlie Rowan will always be my son and I will always be his parent. And um, he's no longer mine in society's eyes. Like nobody's going to look to me when, because he's not a minor anymore, that it's him they're going to look to. Like, well, you're over 18. And it just, I felt this release that, that was sort of, I didn't, it was unexpected. Let me say that. It was just unexpected and, and very real for me and very visceral. Um, and I, you know, mistakenly believed that my kid's going to college and after turning 18 that 
you know, they're going to, they're going to need me less. Oh, well, I mean, you're, I'm no longer a daily parent, but parenting never ends. It never ends. You will, you're always concerned about your kids. And, you know, so then it was his first year in college. I'm holding my breath. Like, you know, I want him to make it through. I want him to, you know, do well enough, organize himself and be away from home and not drink too much and manage it all. And he's done great. And it's just relieving as a parent, relieving. I can breathe deeper, you know, that, okay, he's all good. And they're launched and they're doing well. And okay, so great. This other moment for me that is just funny. Well, it was funny for all three of us, in fact, because it was the, it was the night before he was going to graduation. So she was home for his graduation from college. And, um, and I said, you know, Charlie, hey, buddy, you might want to go upstairs and open that plastic bag that has your cap and gown in it. You might just want to hang it up, you know, just to give it an opportunity to get the wrinkles out or whatever. You know, so he goes upstairs and he comes down wearing it. Okay. So he's walking around in this gown, cap and gown, and I just start laughing and he's kind of strutting around. And I said, oh, okay, get over here with your sister. Let's take a picture. <laughs> so... I have these beautiful photos where the two of them are laughing so hard and they're just, they're laughing and it's so beautiful. And I have to tell you why, why they were laughing because their mom held up the camera and I said, and I held up my hand to high five them both. And I said, way to go, you two. No GEDs and no teen pregnancies. <laughs> I gave them a high five and they couldn't stop laughing because it's true. It was like we made it through somehow with you made it to graduation and nobody had any teen pregnancies. Great. <laughs> like my standards, you know, and they were so humored by that. And it's true. I'm telling you, it was relieving for me. Like we made it through teenage years without any permanent damage, which was, that's what I was saying without, and please don't hear, of course, if any of those things happened, we would deal with them just like we dealt with other hurdles through the teen years. So there were lots of them, lots of harrowing moments. And I'm just saying that none of them were permanent. And I'm so grateful for that, that they made it through without um, kind of uh, any permanent sort of guffaws or whatever and all of those are part of people's paths and everybody makes it through their own um their own way and find joy in it and that perhaps there's learning there too in all of it and charlie had his own moments and he certainly did as i said on my knees parenting but so anyway know that teenagers are their own beast and um, nobody looks back as, oh yeah, those were my favorite times of my life. So just know it's, it's times to um, have great compassion for them and that they are doing the best they can and for yourself that it is heartbreaking to, to lose your child to this alien being and um, be the wallet and the ride and supposed to be joyful about that and keep giving and keep loving. And yes, that's what we're taxed with. And it, it, and it's, 
it, they need it. They need it. And make yourself available as much as you can because they want to avail you at certain times and we need to be around. I never said it would be easy. I only said it would be worth it. Peace to you, mom or dad. It starts there.